sounding taller and stronger, skinnier. Turn that on, hopefully, just to sound skinnier again. That'd be awesome. Good morning. We are getting ready to go into a lesson. Thank you for everybody who's here, this distinguished audience. Last week, we discussed two issues. The whole, the whole. This is an, this is a continuation of last week. We are talking about who is God, who is God, and <clears throat> the first is divided into four segments that we're talking about. First of all, God is the Spirit. We talked about that that He fills all in all. And then the second part of last week's study was there is but one God, and. So today we want to look at Jesus. We want to see that Jesus is God and that Jesus is also man. So we're going to delve into that today. You might want to get a highlighter and highlight some of these scriptures as we go through them. There's a lot of them. Uh, Let me say this for those who may have missed last Sunday, and also if you're online, if you'd like to know the scriptures again, that God is a spirit, that's uh, John 4, 23 and 24, Acts 7, 48 and 49, Acts 17, 24 through 28, Psalms 139, 7 through 12. Come on, Brother Brandon. Are you going to be able to dig today, tomorrow, this week? Alex is very excited. He wants to know when Brandon's coming back. I said, listen, Brandon's just an old groundhog. I said, he, he likes to get in the dirt, though. But the landscaping's looking good out there, guys. Very good. Where was I? Psalm 139, 7 through 12, 1 Kings 8, 27, and Jeremiah 23, 24, and 20, 23 and 24. Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24. Those scriptures pertain to God is a spirit. And then there is but one God. These scriptures are Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, Mark 12, 28 through 32, Malachi 2, 10, Isaiah 44, 6 through 8, Isaiah 45, 2 through 6, and Isaiah 45, 21 through 23, Isaiah 46, 8 and 9, 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 6, Ephesians 4, 5 and 6, 1 Timothy 2, 5, James 2, 19, and Revelation 4, 2 and 3. So those are scriptures pertaining to there is but one God. All right. So let's talk today about Jesus. Jesus here. Uh, We need to back up, Jonathan, to Jesus is God. If we can do that and throw that on the screen for me. So... We're going to talk today about Jesus is God and Jesus is man. He was 100% God. He was 100% man. All right? So we're going to start out as Jesus is God, and we're going to the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. We did this in the Amplified, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign... Behold, the young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. That's in the, I don't know if those are, those are brackets, aren't they? Also, uh, scriptures that go along with that are Isaiah 9, 6, Jeremiah 31, 22, Micah 5, 3 through 5, and Matthew 1, 22 and 23. So a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This scripture here I like to refer to when, when I go to it with someone is notice it starts out it talks about the child being born well what child was born jesus was born then we drop down and his name or his offices his roles his manifestations that he would be wonderful counselor that jesus would be the mighty god and then that jesus would be the everlasting father so a lot of folks in christendom want to say well we have God the Father, and then we had God the Son, which is Jesus. So it doesn't say that in the Scripture. The term God the Son is never found in Scripture. The term God the Father is found in Scripture. The term God the Holy Ghost is never found in Scripture. Okay? So what I like to do is I like to tie the two together. The Son was born. The child is born. The Son is given. He will be the mighty God. He will be the everlasting Father. All right. So then we're going to go to Micah 5.2. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are little to be among the clans of Judah. Now this Bethlehem Ephrathah is like a town and a state. Okay? A city and a state. Yet out of you shall come one, shall one come forth for me who is to be Ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from ancient days, from eternity. So, the one who is born in Bethlehem has his roots found in ancient days, in eternity, because he is the Father. And this is the scripture that you can use to say, okay, well, Jesus, was, it was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem. And this is Micah 5, 2. Then you go into the New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here I like to, you know, a lot of people don't know Greek. But if you understand the wording here, back in uh, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word comes from the Greek word logos. Logos, logos. It comes from that Word which means, okay, the thought or the intent. The thought or the intent. That's what that Word means. Now, if you go into Romans, Romans chapter, what is it, Brandon? Is it Romans 10? Talk about the word of faith or Romans 8? I think it's Romans 10. Talking about the word of faith which Paul said he preaches. 
Paul preaches the word of faith. That word in the Greek in that Paul used comes from the Greek word rhema. You've heard that before, haven't you? Rhema. Rhema is a spiritual command or utterance. So Paul is saying when I come preaching, I come preaching spiritual utterances and spiritual commands. I use a rhema. But John here said in the beginning was the word logos, the thought or the intent. So if you put it in that perspective, it can go like this. In the beginning was the thought, and the thought was with God, and the thought was God. And verse 14, and the thought became flesh. So what what thought are we talking about here? We're talking about that way back in the garden, way, way back in the garden, Genesis 3, when the serpent tricked Eve, beguiled Eve and Adam. God said, I'm going to set up a plan, and the plan is going to be I will have to come and redeem them with my blood. And I don't have time to get into it because I'm on a, I'm on a time schedule here, but that's why there had to be a virgin birth in order for the blood to come from an untainted, uncontaminated source. The blood came from God when the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. Now, that's an interesting one, too. Here's, a, here's a, if you want to trick, trip somebody up. We don't want to trip anybody up, do we, when we're talking to them? When you say, well, who is the father of Jesus? And they say, well, the father. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does say that, but not like you just said it. Because the Bible says the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. So if you think the Holy Ghost is separate from the Son, and the Son is separate from the Father, and the Father is separate from the Holy Ghost, then there's an inconsistency here if you're saying that the Father of Jesus is the Father when the Bible says the Holy Ghost is. But it really is because they're... We're just here by one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, above all, through all, in you all, right? So the same spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis is the same spirit that hovered over Mary in Matthew. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Thank you. The crowd is deafening today. All right. So let's go on. John 1.10 says this. It says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Okay, so Jesus is God. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. What is that talking about? That's talking about the eternal spirit inside. We're talking today what we could call the dual nature of Christ, the dual nature. The dual nature is he's 100% God. He's 100% man. All right, we have a dual nature. Our dual nature is we are in a body, a physical body, and that is our fleshly nature, our man nature, and we are also a spirit being, which makes our fleshly nature live, and the spirit being comes from the other side, from the ancient of days. So we are also dual nature. So he's in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Talking about the spirit dwelling inside the body. John 8, 24, I say therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. That is Jesus talking to the religious folks of the day. 
He said, you'll die in your sins if you don't believe that I am he. They were talking about who is the Messiah here, and he was trying to tell them that. John 8, 57 through 59 says, the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Jesus answered, the truth is I existed before Abraham was even born. Now, how is that possible? It had to be in a spirit situation, not a fleshly situation. They were trying to figure out, this guy's not even 50 years old, and he says he was with Abraham 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. What? What? Put the peat on him. Say what? He says, before Abraham was, I am. I existed before that. At that point, look how friendly they were. At that point, they picked up stones to kill him. But Jesus hid himself from them and left the temple. This was in the temple. This is the church people. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, when the police are called to go to church riot with the members, it's scriptural, I guess. There you go. It's found in, uh, yeah, John. That Yeah, they picked up stones to kill him. All right, let's go on. John chapter 14, verse 6 through 11 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Now, how are they seeing him? How are they seeing the Father? The Father, the Spirit, is incarnated into the Son, inside the Son, the body, the shell. All right? That's how they are seeing him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even yet know who I am? Even after all the time I have been with you, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? That's pretty That's pretty clear. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I just lost scripture. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. So the miracles that Jesus did were because of the Father, the Spirit of God, inside of the body of Jesus. Why did that have to happen? Well, that had to happen because in order for God's plan to be fulfilled back in Genesis, that blood would have to be shed right there had to be a sacrifice remember adam and eve had sinned and sin separates us from god no no question about it sin separates us from god and we all know that because you know we we sin and we come to church and we haven't yet got uh, asked for repentance or asked for forgiveness and we haven't repented and it's like oh boy you know how bad you feel when you've done wrong and you come into his presence we feel like street urchins. Feel like slugs. Feel like slugs with salt poured all over us. You ever done that? It's a foamy situation. 
It's a phony situation. That's pitiful. You know, that's that poor. Does anybody eat lobsters in here? Anybody eat lobster? You like lobster? All right. You know. Uh, Ginger sent us pictures. I'm sure she's watching today up in Maine. She's with her friends up in Maine, and uh, they had sent a picture of a lobster, three and a half pounds. It was big as the lady's arm and shoulder. And I'm like, oh, could you bring a couple of those home? But when you, when, when you put, they say, ah, it doesn't hurt them. Have you ever boiled a lobster? When you put them in that water, they're going, So what are, we doing? what are we talking about here? We're talking about when you come into the kingdom or the, the church, you come into the kingdom and a, or to a service, and you've got sin in your life, that's how we feel. You can't lift your hands. You feel like you got concrete blocks tied to your hands. You know, you got this battle going on in your head. The devil's saying, you shouldn't even be here. You're just trash. You're just stinking trash. Why you didn't even come to church today? You should just lay out and, and ask for forgiveness next week. And then he knows that the next week, if you do that, it's going to be harder to get to church than it was this week. And so it had to be fulfilled from the beginning. There's a sacrifice. So the Spirit of God, the Father, the Spirit is the Father, had to take on a body that would die to shed blood. The body was the Son. Who was Jesus talking to on the cross? The Spirit was talking, the flesh was talking to the Spirit. You ever talk to yourself? Who was Jesus praying to in the garden? The Spirit was, the flesh was praying to the Spirit. Very simple. On the cross, Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? That's the body talking to the Spirit that's getting ready to pull out. Everybody wants to go to heaven. But nobody wants to die. It takes death in order for sin to be removed and remitted. It takes death and shedding of blood for that. And so that's what happened. So the Father is living inside of a human body. So Jesus is God. Amen. Jesus is God. That's how he could be walking on earth and be walking amongst what he made. How? It wasn't because, this is a term that you'll hear some people use, eternal sonship. Anybody ever heard that? Eternal sonship. That means the son is eternal. Well, that's not, I mean, that's not what Scripture says. And we'll get into that in in a minute. I'm a son, but I did not last eternally. I was born. The son was born. Amen. All right, come on, Pastor, go on. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not no longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others, that God was in Christ. 1 Timothy 3.16. Boy, these are some good scriptures. All scriptures are good, but these got a little bit extra sugar on them. Anything with a little extra sugar is good. Trust me. First Timothy 3.16, Amplified. And great and important and weighty, we confess, is the hidden truth, the mystic secret. 
of godliness. He, God, was made visible in human flesh. This is a good scripture in the Amplified. He, God, was made visible in human flesh. When they saw Jesus in his flesh walking down the road, that was God walking down the road. That's pretty awesome. When they saw Jesus healing the sick, that was the Spirit of God doing the miracles through the body of Jesus. You know who the the Spirit works through today? Us. He works through us. So, Alex, when you're talking to somebody at work, the Lord's talking through you. You're his vessel. Brother Bernie, when you when you got down there uh, and prayed for that person's leg, that one leg was shorter than the other, you know? You prayed in Jesus' name, and that leg grew out. God was working through you. We are his hands, we are his feet, we are his mouthpieces. Amen. That makes you want to brush your teeth, doesn't it? He said, your Lord doesn't need to have bad breath, so I better give him a good clean mouth. Amen. Keep that in mind. That was an extra. You didn't have to pay any extra for that. God was made visible in human flesh, justified and vindicated in the Holy Spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. And taken up in glory. Colossians 1.14 and 15. In whom we have redemption through his what? His blood. We have redemption through the blood. Remember? He had to have a body that had blood in it. The blood could not be contaminated. The blood had to be more powerful than our blood. Our blood is full of disease. Our blood is full of sickness. Our our blood is full of sin. You know? You have uh, like produces like. Amy and I could have had a hundred kids... And a hundred kids all would have had the same DNA in our situation. Same blood. They would never have been able to rise above that blood for redemption and, uh, and forgiveness of sins because the same blood would have been in them. It's human blood. But there had to be a supernatural infusion. And that's where the virgin birth came in. The blood came from God himself through the working of his spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost. So we have redemption through his blood. Now he, this is a good one too in the Amplified, okay? He is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible. That's good. When you see Jesus, you see God. There you go. He is the firstborn of all creation. That's one of those mic drop situations, isn't it? Boom. He's the invisible or the visible representation of the invisible. Okay. Now, what happened? What did you do to me, Jonathan? Did you do this to me? Oh, I went out of order. I'm sorry. Thank you, Jonathan. 
Oh, yes. I know what I did. My bad. Lay not this. Let's just pray for Jonathan right now. Lay not this sin to his charge, Lord. Jesus is man. So Jesus is God. We got that covered. Jesus is God. He's also man. So let's talk about his manhood. Let's talk about that for a minute. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, are these the same scriptures again, Jonathan? Oh, I guess they're not. They're going to be in a minute. For a minute. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah 9, 6. On uh, Isaiah 7, 14, okay, you can tie that into, uh, I had them write in their Bibles from life class. You can tie that into Matthew chapter 1, verse 20-something, where the angel says, And thou shalt bring forth a son, shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So you can tie those together. Luke 7, or Isaiah seven fourteen to Matthew one twenty one, I believe it is, or in that area. So Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us, this is the King James, a child is born unto us, a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Luke one thirty one says this, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. This is the angel talking to Mary. And bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Shall call his name Jesus. Now, I didn't have time to go into this in the uh, notes, but when uh, Moses was talking to the Lord, Moses said, who am, who, uh, whom, who am I going to say sent me? And we all know the Lord said, I am that I am. But um, Moses continued on, and the Lord continued on, and he said, uh, by my name Jehovah. God mentioned Jehovah in the book of Exodus. Now, Jesus means this. It means, means Jehovah is salvation. Okay, what are you saying? I'm saying so. The angel says here in Luke one thirty one, you're going to bring forth, you're going to conceive, you're going to bring forth a son, and you're going to call his name Jehovah is salvation. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. So this is tying Jesus back to Jehovah, the Father. Why didn't, why didn't the angel say, Thou shalt bring forth a son, shall call his name Tracy? Well, because the Lord didn't want to be named Tracy. All right? Lots of people don't want to be named Tracy. Trust me. Everyone I meet, I say, do you like your name? I get, no. I get, yeah. I said, you do? You like your name? I said, yeah. You don't like your name? I said, not really. Yeah. Do you like having a husband named Tracy? Wouldn't you rather have a husband named like Steve or somebody? Clarence. All right. Jesus. Why? Because there's significance in a name. All biblical names have a meaning to them. All biblical names have a meaning to them. Bethlehem. Even even biblical cities have a meaning to them. Bethlehem means house of bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. Judah. The name Judah means praise. 
okay? Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. So what is happening here is now the Lord, the Father, is acquiring a vehicle to bring the salvation to humanity. That makes sense? Y'all good on that? Thank you. All right. So that is why we're going to call his name Jesus. And it just sounds better than Tracy. Now, so bring forth the son, call, shall call his name Tracy. Nah, we don't want to do that. Okay, so let's look at Luke 2, verse 6. And it was, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought first, forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So the Savior of the world was born in a barn, in a manger. All right? So he, this is his manhood here. And he didn't come. And that, that, was a, that was a big issue with the people of his day is he didn't come in pomp and circumstance and glory. He didn't come, you know, with, with a militia. He didn't come with military power. He didn't come with, with uh, prestige and, and secret service agents and flying around on a plane that had his name on the side, you know. He didn't have all that. And it was hard for them to believe that he was the God of Israel. He was the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's born in a barn. And he's Joseph's kid, they thought. And his mother has, has a whacked out story that, that an angel overshadowed her and she became pregnant before her and Joseph came together. And so you see how hard it would be for a, 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 a human mind of reasoning to try to figure out that and realize that this is the Savior. This is what we've been waiting for. So he came as a man. Jesus is man. All right, Acts 17, 31. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he approved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. So they're talking here. This is Paul. And he said, God has set a day to judge the world with the justice by the man he appointed. And that man he appointed, he proved that it's the man he appointed because he's the man that was raised from the dead. Now, there hadn't been too many of those. All right, think back. How many people do you know have been raised from the dead? Hey, by the way, I don't know. Have they found a, a new guy for Jeopardy yet? That might be one of your jobs you might want to do. Okay. I'm just suggesting there's job openings out there. There's job openings everywhere. Have you ever seen a time when you drive through past businesses and every business has apply within, help wanted, now hiring, we need you. I'm almost tempted to take job number 12. At McDonald's, because in six months, if I stay faithful, I can get a new iPhone. All right. You're, you're an awful tough crowd today. I hope you folks out there in Cyberland are enjoying this. If you are, let us know somehow. Somehow, let us know. Okay. Let's go on. So, they're saying here in Acts, God has used this man to bring judgment and he, for an appointed time and justice 
and it's the man that he was raised from the dead. Galatians 4.4. This is what I was kind of referring to when I said a son cannot be eternal. But when the right time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. So the sonship did not begin until Jesus was born. The sonship did not begin until Jesus was born. Now here's what gets really interesting. Uh, Brandon has probably scraped around this some. I don't remember which epistle it is in, but it talks about that Jesus, the son, will present to himself a glorious church. So is he hijacking the hierarchy? Or is he really the father? It says he will present to himself a glorious church. He will, well, pastor, what are you, what are you going to do with they, was, they were in heaven, and, and the Lamb is over here, and the Father's over here. Well, the Lamb was the vehicle that the Father used to bring justice and righteousness, righteousness and forgiveness of sins to humanity. Is that making any sense? Okay, still with me? All right. Bernie, you keep praying for those people in your barbershop. You can have, you know, Miracle Thursday at Bernie's Barbershop. Come on down. You know, we pray for the sick from 1 to 4 in the afternoon. We cast out demons on Thursdays or on Tuesdays from 1 to 4. There you go. You can have a ministry, cut some hair, raise some people from the dead. Who knows what the Lord's going to do? Philippians 2, 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found... In fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is talking about the humanity of Christ. And then 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and people. He is the man, Christ Jesus. He is the man, Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 4.15. And we're just about done. How about that? We're going to have a credit on our... Make track of that, Austin. We're going to have credit. Ginger probably owes. I'm going to have a credit. For we have not a high priest and high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Okay, let me ask you this question. Was Jesus, he, did he have the potential to sin? He was half man, he was half God. In his manhood, I believe that he did have the potential to fall to sin if you think about it when he was tempted the devil the devil had him on the pinnacle of the temple ready for him to cast his self off of the pinnacle but then the lord used the word and said that his angels had charge or the devil said the angels have charge the devil listen the devil will take scriptures and twist them on you and say you know you can do this it'll be all right this happened in jesus and you, it, you know it'll be all right 
But that's why Jesus had to go through the wilderness before he started his ministry is because he had to get his flesh under control. And he fasted 40 days. I'm going to tell you what, if you want to kill anything in your whole life, in your life, any type of stuff in your life, in your walk with the Lord, if you want to kill anything in, in the opposition to things that oppose your walk with the Lord, just go on a fast. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, some, somebody walked up to us. I'm probably going to eat my whole time credit up. Somebody walked up to us. Amy, what was they going to fast about? They're going to start a church. Remember, we're sitting in that restaurant, and they're going to start a church, and he's going to do some fasting. Now, I'm not going to fast food, but he said, I'm going to fast. You can't remember? But it was, a, it was, it was something wacky. It was something wacky. You know, but you know, fast food because your body needs food, your physical body needs food, your physical body wants food, your physical body likes food. Most of us do. I mean, I do. I do not. I do not eat to live. I live to eat. I'm serious. I mean, let's just be honest. I'm just being transparent here. You know, you don't get looking like this, not liking to eat. And, uh, but when you go on a fast, especially you, you go on, on a continued fast for multiple days, man, you can kill all kinds of stuff in your life. And what it does is, is it just, it separates your fleshly desires. One of the most interesting things I ever did on a long fast was I would come home from, we'd come home, Amy be working, the kids would all be in school, I'd be working, and, and Amy be busy doing something, so I'd cook supper. You ever cook supper on a fast? And, and to just really give the devil a hard time in your flesh, you just take deep breaths of it. Do you know how much time in our day is spent around dinner time? When you're all fasting and nobody is eating, it's like two hours, two to three hours. By the time you start to get it out and you start cooking it and you eat it and then you got to clean up and everything, that's a good two to three hours. It's just crazy. But go on a fast. And what was Jesus doing here? He, he was tempted in every point like as we are, yet he did not sin. He had that body under subjection. And at the same time, he knows what it feels like to be lonely. He knows what it feels like to have a ministry and then people turn around and leave. That's found in John chapter 6, verse 66. How about that? 666. That's how I know that's that scripture. Jesus is doing all these miracles. He's doing all this teaching. Thousands are following him and then they all start leaving. And he looks around at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Amen. So guess what? There's an answer for every situation that we face in the word of God. And Jesus was tempted on in his flesh and his humanity just like we are. And he overcame. So if he overcame, we can overcome as well. Amen. And Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24 and 25 but Jesus remains a 
priest forever. His priesthood will never end. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save everyone who comes to God through him. He lives forever to plead with God on their behalf. What is that talking about here? That's talking about his sacrifice, his sonship. The vehicles that he has used to bring redemption through his blood. Amen? Amen. And so, like I said, there will come a time that once he presents himself, his glorious church, then the Bible says then the sonship will be no more. It's done. We have an exciting future ahead of us. The Lord has given us an exciting heritage, but he has also given us an exciting journey. We have an exciting journey. Walking with the Lord, we have a very exciting journey. This is a good life. We need to enjoy it. Is there, is there days that there's going to be problems? Oh, yes. Are there days there's going to be all kinds of things go wrong? Oh, yes. And there's going to be some days when everything goes right. Amen. Let's all stand. So I hope that I maybe helped tie some things together for you, clarified some things, maybe brought something out that you never realized before. And so we just want to realize four things about who God is. Number one, God is a spirit. Number two, he is one. Number three, he is man. Jesus is man. And number four, Jesus is also God. And when you see Jesus, you see it all. You ever seen a family portrait of the, the Godhead? When you see Jesus, you see it all. It's all in him. Colossians says, the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in him. So Jesus was father in creation he was Son in redemption, and He's Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit in regeneration, being reborn. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for these folks that are here. God bless their lives, I pray. Let them get strength today in this gathering that we find ourselves in. We walk out of this place, Lord, ready to face our Monday, ready to face, Lord, whatever you have for us this next week. Fill us, Lord, with life. Fill our words, our, our mouths with words of life and hope that we can give to others as we travel and journey through this life. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So take a break, get your drink, whatever. We're going to start in 15 minutes with the word and worship.